0: The world leader in internet talk radio. Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I'm going to be putting on one of my hats that some of you know about, my hat as an a psychiatric expert witness, and a trial analyst for the media, courtroom trial analyst. And we're going to be talking about the case that is ongoing right now in New Mexico. It's the case of New Mexico versus Cody Posey. And uh, Cody Posey is now a 16-year-old boy. He was 14 on, in July 2004 when he... Um, Admittedly, shot and killed his father, Paul Posey, his stepmother, Trione Posey, and his sister, who was approximately a year younger, Mary Lee Sch- uh, Schmidt, her last name was, but Mary Lee. Um, <laughs> different last names because of a whole bunch of different marriages and blended families, which apparently did not blend very well. Um In this, I I find this case to be fascinating because uh, of a number of things, actually, but one of them is that it proves Dr. Carroll's axiom yet again, my triad, and that is abuse plus violent video games plus weapons equals teen shooting. That's a very dangerous, explosive mix, and indeed. Uh, Cody was abused, uh, he was physically abused, he was emotionally and verbally abused, and he was sexually abused. And uh, adding to this abuse, you know, the, the abuse caused a rage inside of him, which we'll talk about in more detail. Uh, he was then given violent video games to play on, including Grand Theft Auto, which you know I've talked about before on this show as being particularly virulent. And um his father had countless weapons um, on the home on the ranch where they lived. They were ranch hands on sam donaldson 's ranch. Uh, he is a news anchor, and uh, this family, Cody and his father and his stepmother and stepsister, lived on sam donaldson 's ranch and One of the things that um I find disturbing in this is that the mainstream media, uh, at least nothing that I have come across, have um, dared to criticize Sam Donaldson for um, not doing anything beforehand to pay attention to the abuse that Cody was getting, and had he done that, of course he's not the only one, there were many people who uh, are now coming forward as witnesses and acknowledging the uh, abuse that Cody received by primarily by his father but also by his stepmother um, if he had if Sam Donaldson had along with these other people come forward and um, notify the authorities about all of this abuse, Cody could have been rescued uh, could have been given psychotherapy and um, of course could have been taken out of that very very sick uh, family and um rescued before this tragedy happened, but no one told anyone uh, except for one report when he was around seven years old um that apparently didn't lead to much and um and that's why that's why events were c- allowed to continue, and why um why we three people are dead today and and Cody stands charged with three counts of first-degree murder. Um, I'll just give you a quote that Sam Donaldson uh, said on Good Morning America. Uh, he said that he never noticed any abuse on the part of the father, uh, Paul Posey, against his son, Cody. And he said, Paul was a little hard on his son, but that's the way, in the Southwest at least, you raise young men... That's the way you raise young men, in the Southwest at least. I never saw Paul raise his voice or hand in anger to his son. He clearly expected a lot of him. How many uh, young boys are being raised, and girls, but especially boys, in terms of thinking that this is how you make a man of them, it's okay to be hard on them um, because because that will turn them into men. Actually, that is not true, uh, and this case certainly exemplifies that. Anything, any time that a parent or um, a parental figure abuses, spanks. You know, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Spanks. Of course, his father did a lot more than spanking, but spanks and does anything beyond that um, to to and excuses that by saying that that's how you raise a young man. Um, there, there is great damage done to that young man. Not that all of them wind up acting it out by uh, shooting the father and stepmother and stepsister, but they do wind up wounded for life, damaged for life, and it comes out in various ways, such as alcoholism, um, such as certainly continuing the cycle of abuse and being abusive to their children, and so on. So I just wanted to um, first of all mention that because it, it, it bothered me watching Sam Donaldson testify about the crime scene um, you know he was put on by the prosecution to essentially set the scene for what happened there but um but you know everyone is is very mum about um, about the fact that this family worked on Sam Donaldson's ranch for approximately two years now granted. Sam wasn't there very often. Uh, apparently he was there only three or four days a month, but still two years. Um, I believe he should have known better about what was going on in that house on his property and um, would have had the sophistication to have been able to do something to draw attention to it. Um, the Another um, example or evidence of just how enraged Cody was when he uh, killed his family, he afterwards um, he shot them in the head, which is also, as you know, if you've been listening for a while, especially when we're talking about the video games, that that's a typical sign of someone um, who has been playing video games where you get extra points for shooting people in the head. And indeed, Cody shot each of his three family members in the head and he then buried them in a manure pile. Now you know, nothing says it better than that. I mean that's how enraged he was at all of them. At his father for the incredible amount of abuse ever since he could remember. Um his his stepmother for her uh verbal and um uh, emotional and, and physical abuse and certainly there was both she and his father um were involved in uh, sexual abuse the night before this occurred, I'll get to that, but um I suspect that there were prior incidents of sexual abuse that were perhaps less serious, but still um, that would be that is frequently the case when a um, teenager is pushed to become this violent um there's often besides other kinds of abuse some degree of of sexual abuse as well, notably from in this case the stepmother or perhaps even his father. Um, but since these three family members are dead, uh, we presumably will not know about whether that, whether any other sexual abuse besides what Cody told us about the night before uh, the crime, whether anything else occurred, and he could well be too ashamed to tell us about more ongoing sexual abuse that had occurred, even though it would certainly help... His case, um, but there seem to be enough witnesses coming forward so far who have uh, seen incredible examples of um, his father's physical abuse and, bo- and both the father and the stepmother's emotional or verbal abuse. Um, things where the father would not only hit him and punch him and you know do sort of uh, I guess run-of-the-mill types of violent acts, but also doing things with um, hooks, hay bale hooks and, and uh, essentially threatening to castrate him with the hay bale hooks and um, using all kinds of farm equipment to uh, inflict great injury on him. Um, so he now stands, is at risk uh, for potentially first degree, being convicted of first degree murder three counts of it. Uh he's also being charged with four counts of tampering with evidence. And um, just before this event occurred in July two thousand and four, it was actually July fifth, two thousand and four, um, he had completed eighth grade. I mean it's kind of hard to uh picture this incredibly violent scene with blood everywhere, picking the then picking the family members up and, and dumping them in the pile of manure. Um it uh, you know it, it's just kind of hard to imagine that a fourteen uh, year old or an eighth grader could have have accomplished this, but obviously the years of, of abuse um, certainly would be enough to explain the rage that finally snapped on July fifth, two thousand and four, after this incident of sexual abuse the night before. Um, My opinion on all of this is that he should not be convicted of first-degree murder, but that um, he should get manslaughter. And in New Mexico, apparently, if he's... Well, the judge has a lot of leeway in New Mexico. Um, Regardless of what the jury has convicted him of, the judge has leeway in terms of the sentencing. And uh, it would seem to me that he should be uh, charged with manslaughter... Which would cause him to be um, to be given uh, which could cause him to be given um, to, to be put in a juvenile facility until he 's twenty one and as I said before he 's now sixteen, so that seems like it would be a fair a fair result um, but what he really needs, regardless of what the sentencing is what this Young man really needs is years of psychiatric treatment because even if he's acquitted, whether or not he's acquitted, um, he may look, you know, fairly normal, but um, you don't just go from having years of abuse and, and building up years of rage to then being able to uh, live a totally normal life, um, even once your are the sources of your abuse are removed there are still wounds and scars that need to be healed professionally through psychiatric treatment when we come back I'll be uh, telling you more about this case a lot of fascinating aspects to it that uh, that don't get written about in uh, short news stories or even told about in short news bites on television Uh, It's sad, it's very tragic, and um, I just hope that it turns out that the jury hands in a fair verdict. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch on voiceamerica.com. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about New Mexico versus Cody Posey.
0: You want the truth? Face the facts. This is voiceamerica.com. Depend on it.
3: Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage.
0: Let's look for leaky windows,
3: said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a said set, uh-huh. said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreddylocks.
0: I open it has leaky windows,
3: cried the first energy hog. I open as leaky doors. Cried the second. I I'll be there in the bathroom. Cried the third. For only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreddylocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org. Or waste not, hog not.
0: This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council.
1: If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard, every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com.
4: Expand love and light in the universe. Tune into Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True with Iris Jackson every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Each week, Iris and her guests empower, encourage, affirm, acknowledge, and remind us of who we really are, providing tools and processes to fulfill our destiny passionately, victoriously, and joyously. Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True is under the guidance and direction of our beloved I Am Presence, the seven mighty Elohim, the ascended masters, and the legions of light, and is. Given with fervent and heartfelt wishes that all of your dreams come true and are a thousand times more wonderful than you ever dreamed possible.
0: Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr.
1: Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about New Mexico versus Cody Posey, a trial that's going on right now. And uh, a very sad, tragic story about a uh, boy who was 14 at the time of the killings and currently 16. Um, he killed his father, his stepmother, and his stepsister after years and years of abuse. Um, let me read to you from his confession, which he gave two days after the killings. Um, the killings occurred in on July fifth, two 2004, and um, two days later, he was picked up, um, and there has been some arguing by the defense and the prosecution about whether the um, confession should be allowed in, because he was only 14 at the time, and he was, uh, you know, under uh, not in the right frame of mind to have given consent according to the defense, and of course, the prosecution uh, wants it to be in, and this judge did. Let it in. Let the jury hear it. Um, and because, of course, it's very damaging to Cody. I mean, he's acknowledging essentially having killed them. Um, the 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 um, questioner says to Cody, uh, "You got tears. I need to know why you were talking earlier, Cody. That you said it was it was." Because it will always come back and bite you in the butt. That you get it worse at what you said? Yes. All right, Cody, you need to tell me what happened. I got tired of him hitting me, yelling and screaming at me all the time. He hit me. I couldn't take it anymore. So what did you do, Cody? I tried getting rid of him. How? Get him off this planet, because I'd be better here without him. So what did you do, Cody? I shot him. With what? A thirty-eight special. Where's the gun? Where did you shoot him? In the head. Where was he standing? He was walking through the door. Out on the porch? Kitchen door. From outside the house? Into the house? Yeah. Where did you get the gun, Cody? Mary Lee had it in her saddlebag for shooting snakes. Well, um, you know, it certainly seems uh, that Cody was in a state of shock at the time, uh, he had gone, after the crime, he had uh, gone to be with some friends, and um, he spent uh, the nights, the next two days, with two of his friends and uh, and their family, and um, they said that, that they had never seen him be this happy. I mean, it was finally as if uh, he was let out of prison, basically, ironically, uh, and he could, didn't have to be always looking over his shoulder to see where the next abuse was going to be coming from. Um, Cody's father was 34 years old, and his, his stepmother was 44. Um, his father would have been 20 when he had Cody. Uh, nothing so far that I've read talked about this, but it seems to me that uh, putting some things together, that his father may well have been an alcoholic, which could well have fueled um some of the some of the uh his abuse you know given him the uh given him causing him to lose his inhibitions even more and, and uh being freer with his with the father's abuse of cody um but that has, has yet to come out or at least yet to be reported upon um It was the July 4th weekend that this occurred, the Monday of the July 4th weekend, and if indeed his father had been drinking over the weekend, the holiday weekend, as a lot of people tend to do, then that could have explained, uh, also contributed to why things escalated over that weekend. The prosecutors are Sandra Grisham and Janice Schreier, and the defense attorneys are Gary Mitchell and Tim Rose. And mainly it's been... Uh, Sandra Grisham and Gary Mitchell, and um, they. Sandra Grisham, <laughs> I don't think is going to be popular with the jury because she has a very irritating voice, and uh, she's very demeaning to the uh, defense witnesses, particularly to Cody when he was on the stand. And I think maybe consciously or unconsciously, the jury is going to see that as her being abusive to him just like uh his father and stepmother were abusive to him on the other hand the defense attorney uh is doing a really good job he seems like a very kindly uh man but also honest uh not someone who is trying to convince them that Cody didn't do it or that you know um, that they're trying he's not trying to bring some uh, strange explanation into the mix. He's being pretty straightforward with the case so far, which is always appreciated by a jury. Cody on the stand was kind of a puzzlement. On the one hand, uh, he seemed rather forthright, but on the other hand, um, he did not seem as damaged as one would expect someone to be uh, after having undergone the years of abuse uh, that he went through. And so there's, uh, you know, that's one problem that I see in the case for him because um, because jury members may well be able to be persuaded that he could have um, had enough premeditation in what he did to qualify for first-degree murder. I mean, of course, that's what the prosecutors are trying to say, that it was all premeditated. Um, But on the other hand, and I don't know if they're going to bring bring this out, but on the other hand, when you think that the murders were two years ago and that in this, since that time, um, or almost two years ago, when you think that since that time, uh, he has had a kind of good father figure taking care of him in the form of his attorney. And now, um, the the his his father and stepmother, you know, the main people who were abusing him, um, have not been around, have not been abusing him. He hasn't been abused since July 2004, and instead he's been treated with more respect. And um, again, have had has had this kind of father figure in the way of his attorney. So all of that could sort of explain why. Uh, and I don't know whether he's had, I mean, there's been no mention of his having had any therapy while he's been um, in jail, although the defense is going to have some therapists testify, and so they would have at least been seeing him to do an evaluation, if not more. Um, the um, The the life of Cody has not only been terrible in terms of um really outrageous kinds of abuse i mean really it's it's a miracle that he wasn't killed before he killed his family because it seemed as though um his father was just beating him or or um you know throwing things at him choking him doing all kinds of uh, torture really um, just to an inch of his life, and um the father obviously hated him and um and the father interestingly enough, not surprisingly but interestingly, the father had also been raised in a family where he was abused and um in fact uh his parents the the cody 's father 's parents um jay and Linda Posey died in nineteen ninety five so that would have been when Cody was about six um, in what was called a murder suicide the uh father of of cody's father was extremely abusive, and his wife um, uh was Got, took out her rage at him at one, you know, at at the end, um, for all the years of abuse. And, um, and she killed him. The, the, in other words, Cody's paternal grandmother killed her abusive husband, and then she shot herself. And this is when Cody was around six. So obviously, first of all, it is, you know, more than likely that Cody's father was also abused by his father, not just. Uh, the wife and um and Cody would have been aware of uh, what was happening, what happened when they both died since he was six i mean since he wasn't he was old enough to understand um, and again, this is just another of the countless examples of the cycle of abuse and why um, if someone is being abused, how important it is to um, to get help for yourself when you grow up if your family hasn't gotten help for you which of course it's not likely that the family gets help for the child because they don't want to be exposed as having uh, as being involved in abusing them um, it's also interesting that uh Cody took used the gun of his sister, the gun that his sister uses to kill snakes, uh, because symbolically, in a sense, that was his way of um, getting back at her. He was very jealous of her. Uh, you know, in a sense, he, he was saying by that action that it was his that it was her fault that he was killing the people and and there have been reports of how his sister his stepsister Mary Lee used to tattle on him and used to tell her mother and her stepfather um stories some that were true and some that weren't true she would make things up so that she would be considered the good child and he would be considered the bad child and he would be the one who would be abused and apparently she was rewarded every time she reported something to them about uh, him being bad, so that then they c- could have uh, a rationale for actually being more abusive to him, so uh, this is of course very common not that people kill each other, but that um, I mean that siblings kill each other, step siblings, but certainly it does happen every day it is happening today all over the world that parents when they're a blended families are not paying enough, or even when it's a, a biological family, are not paying enough attention to how, it's oftentimes inadvertently, sometimes on purpose, they uh, are favoring one child over the other, or they create that impression, and this just heightens the normal sibling rivalry that there that exists between siblings, whether they're biological siblings. Or step siblings, there is a natural tendency to be jealous, and to uh, because you have to share your parents' attention. And um, obviously, obviously, if parents are not sensitive to this, to these perceptions that might be misperceptions, uh, they grow, and the siblings become more and more jealous, and this can have bad consequences, if not violence. Then things like one sibling doing better than the other in school, thinking that they couldn't possibly live up to how well the other one is doing, or just feeling depressed because they feel as though well the family is preferring one instead of the other, and so on. When we come back, we'll talk more about this case, New Mexico versus Cody Posing. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Connecting your world, the Internet's number one talk and information station, voiceamerica.com. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America
1: and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the greyhound. Learn about the history of the greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race stars. If you own a greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Are you ready for some spiritual enlightenment? If the answer is yes, then you need to join Jeffrey Gitterman every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time here on Voice America. Spiritual Enlightenment is a show that will discuss a wide variety of spiritual subjects and how your beliefs and those of others affect your daily life. Learn about yourself. Listen to Spiritual Enlightenment with Jeffrey Gitterman. You'll be glad you did. Spiritual Enlightenment every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo Our special guest is Carter Jenkins of Surface He plays Miles And we also cover the news and talk about movies We have a trivia contest And a special report on Doctor Who That's this week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo
4: A significant portion of your federal budget is spent on national security, economic aid, international development, and the war in Iraq. But what do you receive in return for that investment? That question and many more will be answered when you join Diane Cromer for World Views and Local Perspectives every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Diane will talk with you about a range of international issues and inform you on how and why these issues have a direct impact on the lives of all Americans. So tune in every Thursday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for world views and local perspectives with Diane Cromer, right here on Voice America, America's Voice.
0: The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
1: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. That's 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about a case that is on trial right now as we speak, and it's uh New Mexico versus Cody Posey it's uh um, going into uh unrolling with more uh witnesses coming on the stand and giving testimony to having witnessed abuse that Cody received throughout his life uh that then led up to his snapping and uh killing his father and stepmother and stepsister poor Cody <laughs> you can tell how where my sympathies lie um poor Cody was uh, already born into problems. <laughs> before he came into this world, the problems were awaiting him. Um, his Both of his parents obviously has, had problems. As I was saying before, his father grew up in a terribly abusive household, one that ended up with his mother, uh, in other words, Cody's paternal grandmother, shooting Cody's paternal grandfather, who had been abusive. And this is when Cody was six years old. And uh, obviously, Cody's father was a product of um, tremendous abuse, and then he passed it on to Cody. When Cody was 11 months old, he and his biological um, mother, Carla Bruce, um, moved away from his father, and uh, they went to live with his mother's sister. And the marriage between Cody's mother and father, biological mo mother and father, ended when Cody was around two years old. Now, um, during the early years of Cody's life, uh, his mother had a drug and alcohol problem, and she joined the Navy and left Cody with his father. They had been sharing custody, but then she joined the Navy, she straightened out her drug and alcohol problems, but meanwhile Cody was with his abusive father. And when his mother um, left the Navy and remarried, she um, fought for and obtained custody of Cody back from his father, and that was in April 2000. And um, his mother, you know found a decent man. they got married, she had cleaned up her act, and uh, Cody thought he had died and gone to heaven. He thought his life was finally going to take a turn for the better. So after um, his father, Cody's father, Paul, gave up all his parental rights and disowned his son, um, which was part of the agreement that there was with Cody's mother so that she could then take him to live with her new husband, Um, he, you know, so you can sort of understand that Paul had, uh disowned by that point, he didn't want to have anything more to do with Cody, and so you can well and then not to get ahead of myself here um and so there there everyone was April two thousand happy <laughs> uh Cody's father got rid of him, Cody's mother was going to begin her new life, and just a few months later, July thirteenth two thousand so when Cody was approximately ten years old. He and his mother and his new stepfather were driving uh, in Wyoming, and it was nighttime, and Cody had wanted to sit in the front seat of their pickup truck. And that's where he sat, and his mom was sleeping in the back. And all of a sudden, his stepfather, his new stepfather, dozed off. And Cody screamed, and his stepfather pulled at the wheels, and the uh, truck wound up plunging down an embankment. And after that, Cody and his stepfather weren't hurt, and they started looking for uh, the mother. And they found her and held her as she died in their arms. So here, Cody had essentially three months you know, from the time that his mother got him back and, uh, brought him to live with the new stepfather to this accident in July 2000, that's pretty much all he had of a, uh, normal or, well, it wasn't really even normal yet at that point, but of a hap, of happiness, uh, during those months. And no sooner had he found happiness than his mother died. And Cody blamed himself for his mother's death because um, he told his aunt after this accident, I killed my mom. I wanted to sit in front with my new dad, and that's why she's dead. And after that, um, Cody was returned to his biological father who had already signed him away and... um, Apparently, there there was some there was a fight at his mother's funeral. Although it's not clear exactly what that was about, it's not clear how much the new stepfather had wanted to keep Cody. But certainly, if he is still alive, he must be really feeling guilty today. Since if he had kept Cody, even though Cody's mother died, and yes, that would have been difficult. um, But obviously. He would have spared Cody from years and years of abuse since then and um, from now this tragedy where he's being tried for murder and where three people are dead. So after that incident, um, <clears throat> once he was returned to his biological father, who was now <laughs> more angry and having more free reign than ever, um, he continued to be uh, tortured throughout the years by his stepfather and his stepmother, and until uh, it all culminated in a, an event that seems to have triggered the killings the next day, and that is that on July 4, 2000, his parents called him into their bedroom, uh, and they wanted him to have his first sexual intercourse experience with Trion, his stepmother. Now, of course, um, you know one wonders where that came from. In a sense, um, in in this particular instance, and part of that is explained by the fact that after this uh, these killings, they the police found large amounts of pornography on um, the father's computer, and this pornography was labeled incest. So obviously this was something this was not just a uh, you know a whim that they had that night and obviously that that's also what makes me believe that there must have been something sexual going on at a lesser level um than intercourse prior to this and of course it also makes me wonder about whether in fact the the daughter uh the you know the <laughs> who would have been the the um Paul the Cody's father's stepdaughter um, whether perhaps she was being sexually abused as well she wasn 't being verbally abused or emotionally abused or um physically abused, but uh, she may well have been uh being sexually abused, but we don 't really it 's just my speculation so far, there has been nothing that has come out to prove that but other than the fact that obviously this was something that uh, the, the father and stepmother were were um, obsessed by or focused on, preoccupied with, uh, and not just, you know, the day before. Now, um, when they called him into the bedroom. They wanted him to have intercourse with the stepmother. Um, she said, the stepmother said, we're not related, we're not blood, come on, do it. And Cody refused and... um when he refused, his father took a blow to- torch to a welding rod um, that he used for repairs around the house, and he burned Cody's arms with this. In other words, he branded Cody, essentially, by for, because Cody did not want to have sex with his stepmother. Now, aside from the fact that we all know that there are some people who get uh, perverted <laughs> sexual thrills from incest um you know it it also makes me wonder whether in fact cody's father um was having sexual problems in other words whether he was impotent and it was therefore that important to him that um he then trained cody to uh fulfill his his wife's needs because this was um this was Paul's third wife. And, I mean, I guess one could understand that, you know, because of how abusive he was. But also, one wonders, I wonder, whether in fact he was also impotent, which could also be a relate, related to his having been an alcoholic, quite possibly. But imagine how Cody would have felt. Uh, his stepmother then pushed his head into her breast. In Between her breasts, trying to get him to to have sex with her, she was lying in the bed naked, originally with the cover over her, and then taking it down to expose her naked body. Just imagine how Cody felt in that position a man who a man <laughs> a fourteen year old boy who was being asked to be a man in a sense and yet um, has has had has endured years and years of abuse by his father, which uh, essentially emasculated him. Imagine all of the, um, all of the shocked and troubling and um, chaotic emotions that would have been going through his head under those circumstances. And it was the next morning, as we will talk about when we come back, that he then shot and killed his father and stepmother and stepsister. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
0: Information you need when you need it. VoiceAmerica.com.
4: Join Laura Mills Alcott on Much Ado About Books for lively interviews with romance, mystery, mainstream, and non-fiction authors. Ranging from the New York Times best-selling authors you know and love to new authors you won't want to miss. Keep up to date with the latest releases and book news. Get book recommendations from our guest reviewers and read our book club selections. Our special topic shows feature a wide variety of experts. And don't miss our surprise guest feature. All this and more on Laura Mills Alcott's Much Ado About Books Book Talk Radio. Every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, right here on Voice America. What would you do if you knew that you could fail? The Dr. Pat Show with is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists, environmentalists, educators, leaders, inventors, filmmakers, artists, mystics, and he'll inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural. world-renowned cosmetic surgeon and scientist, Dr. Andrew G. Berman, hosts Beauty in America, broadcasting every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. What is beauty? How is it viewed in a cross-cultural context? And what is the role of plastic surgery in society, careers, and life? Expert guests join Dr. Berman to discuss historic and current concepts of beauty and plastic surgery, as well as trends, advances, and gimmicks. Beauty in America with Dr. Andrew G. Berman finds out what is real and what is is hype, right here on the Voice America
0: channel, Fridays at 2 p.m. Continuing to be the authority in Internet talk radio, you're listening to voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's
1: Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking about the case of New Mexico versus Cody Posey, uh, a 16-year-old boy who is being tried on three counts of first-degree murder. Um, He was 14 when the crime was committed, and uh, we've been talking about his years of abuse and basically a a child who uh, may have had three months of happiness throughout his 16 years because of being born into a uh, family, an abusive family, at least a father who was abusive, and then married a woman who was abusive, the the current stepmother. He actually was married three times, but um, the the stepmother who Cody killed was abusive. And uh, we were talking before the break about the final event that triggered Cody to kill them the next day, which was when uh, his father uh, branded him, burned him, burned his arms when he refused to have sex with his stepmother who tried to persuade him to have sex with her um, because she claimed that they were not related, which is true. <laughs> they were not related. She was his stepmother. But that is still incest. Um, it is, it has to, it's just like with Woody Allen, that was still incest. The uh, woman who he then later married was not his biological daughter, but he was her father for all intents and purposes. He was the father figure in her life, and uh, that is still considered incest when uh, after the killings um, Cody said in regard to uh, this event the night before where they sexually abused him you know the the stepmother revealed herself being naked put his head between her breasts uh, and tried to convince him to have sex with her he said I felt very disgusting I felt dirty I felt like I just felt like I was lying and rolling in the dirt, which is a very significant statement because, um, as I said earlier in the show, after he killed them, he buried their bodies in a pile of manure. So basically, he wanted to make them feel as dirty and gross and disgusting and humiliated as he did that night when they were challenging him, persuading him by branding him to um, have sex with his stepmother, um, you know, it's not only that 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 there's an incest taboo. In other words, that you are not supposed to be. And we all recognize this at some deep level. Uh, of course, some people allow their impulses to uh, take them out of this recognition to to make them, uh, you know, just impulsively do what they think will feel good and and not recognize. The basic incest taboo. But um, not only that, but this was a woman who, I mean, not only was she his stepmother, but this was a woman who had been for years emotionally and physically abuse, abusing him and who's now, you know, begging him to have sex with her. And again, as I was saying before, I, I also would um, tend to believe that there may have been some lesser form of sexual abuse that went on. And um, this was just the final straw and uh um, again at 14 uh he hadn't had sexual intercourse before at least not to the knowledge of the father and and the father kept pretty close tabs on him they didn't let him have friends um I mean, he did supposedly have a girlfriend to both, but to what extent he was ever saw her is, is pretty seems pretty minimal because uh the father made him work made him do the man's share of all the work on Sam Donaldson's farm on his ranch. And now the father wanted him to do the man's share, apparently, of uh, being the man sexually to his wife. And uh, just imagine the whirlwind of emotions, the shame, the um, guilt, the disgust, the anger, the rage um, that he would have felt with this final culminating uh, abusive event. And then it was the next morning when uh, his family was acting as though nothing had happened, and he was doing his chores, getting up at 5 o'clock, doing his chores as he usually does, mucking out the stables, and his father apparently complained that he wasn't working quickly enough, and he slapped him across the face and told him to come in the house. And Presumably, Cody knew that that was what the father normally did when um, when he was planning on or sometimes did, sometimes it was outside, but sometimes come in the house means come in the house and you're going to get abused, physically abused. You're going to get beaten or or worse. And again, he had just been burned the night before, branded. So coming in the house did not seem like a good idea. And instead, Cody went and got a gun and shot first his mother, who was in the house, uh, and then when his father and sister came in, he shot them as they came in. You know... One of the um, fascinating aspects of this is that I believe Cody was having a what you call, what one calls, what psychiatrists call, a kind of anniversary reaction, and that is when something happens um, on the, for example, when a parent dies, and uh, it's approaching that date, um, you may feel yourself getting sad. And not being aware of what day it is, you know what the date is, um, what what is, you know, you don't seem to, you can't understand it because there doesn't seem to be anything wrong, particularly in your life, and yet, uh, as it's approaching, you begin to feel sad. As an example, well, this was his July fifth, killing, two thousand and four, killing was a reaction, in my opinion, to his July thirteenth, 2000 event where his mother was killed, where they, they had the accident in the truck for which he felt, felt feels incredibly guilty. Uh, he blames it on himself. And here it was the same month, uh, five, four years later, when he then takes a gun and kills... Uh, first, his stepmother, the woman who replaced his mother, you know, he would that would be an additional source of rage for him. Not only was his mother dead, but he had to live with this abusive stepmother who just tried to get him to have sex with her the night before. So all of these, it's it's like a perfect storm. All of these, um, all of these events, all of these psychological phenomena were uh, coalescing to essentially make Cody fall apart and not be able to think straight. And that, of course, is the key to the defense trying to prove that um, it was not premeditated but that uh, and that he didn't have the capacity to form a premeditation, that he was just that he had just fallen apart, that he was not able to think, not able to premeditate, and that he reacted out of passion, which would be the what you would need to indicate uh, a crime of manslaughter, acting rashly, impulsively, out of passion because of being overwhelmed by swirling emotions and uh, I think that that really is what um, what characterizes this tragedy, the best. Now, he's been being treated as a what's called a youthful offender in New Mexico, and uh, the judge can have wide discretion in sentencing him. He can get anything from a non-jail juvenile sanction to a severe adult sentence, and if it was uh, first-degree murder, that would be life in prison. And... Um, but if he's convicted of manslaughter then he must be sentenced as a juvenile and that would be the sentence for that would be uh incarceration in a juvenile facility until he was 21 so it seems um, again that the judge could if if he's not uh the judge could however give him pretty much what he thinks he deserves which could be anything from probation to life if he's been convicted of first- or second-degree murder. We will have to see, but we can all learn a lot of lessons from this case. Of course, (laughs) Uh, to remember the incest taboo, which our psyche normally remembers anyway, except for when people are are very sick. And uh, it also teaches us that we cannot turn uh, away when we see people being children or teenagers being abused. Uh, we have to call the authorities. We have to step in and do something. It's not that all of these people are going to turn out to kill their family, but they certainly are going to turn out to have wounded and scarred lives. And, um, no, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a matter of, uh, being big brother watching over everybody, but it's a matter of feeling in your heart whether something wrong is going on here and, uh, doing something about it. And wherever you live, there's a hotline, a child abuse hotline that you can call, or a police station that you can call. And yes, sometimes it's very frustrating because they don't, they miss the, the cases that they should do something about, like obviously Cody's. And sometimes they um, intervene in cases where really nothing was going on, and they take children away from parents who they shouldn't. So their their rates of success or of accuracy are not as high as I would like, but certainly it's a lot better than doing nothing. And uh, everyone, all of these people who are now coming forward to say, yes, I saw his father whip him. I saw his father almost castrate him with a hook. I saw his father, you know, choke him. All of these different things. They're coming forward now, and that's great (laughs) because uh, it verifies um, Cody's credibility. But where were they over the 16 years or 14 years before this crime of his life. So I just hope that um, that it makes all of you think a bit, and if you see some mother or father with their child in a shopping cart slapping their child, um, perhaps you should go over and say something to them or say something to the store manager or try to get their license plate number and then call up Child Protective Services because you could be saving a child from a childhood, and teenagehood of abuse. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I've been talking about the case of New Mexico versus Cody Posey. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and you've been listening to VoiceAmerica.com.
1: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.